Hi everybody, I'm Peter Jacobson, and welcome to Jake's Takes. The PGA Tour and Southern Company just announced the winner of the 2020 Payne Stewart Award this past week, and it was Zach Johnson who was honored with that incredible award, which basically represents everything that Payne Stewart stood for, charity, character, and sportsmanship. And it, while there are so many players on the PGA Tour that, that fit those qualifications, and that's why this is such a wonderful award, it is going to be going on for so many years, simply because these players on the PGA Tour, I'm proud to say, do the right thing. And nobody does it better than Zach Johnson with his foundation and the way that he treats people and the way that he goes about his craft. I'm very proud of Zach, and I'm happy that he's going to join us this week on the podcast. This is a crazy year, however, 2020, and in my opinion, with all that's gone on, the PGA Tour and the restart, which has been really successful, we've only had a couple of positive cases from the coronavirus, but this pandemic has shut everything down, changed all our lives, and one bright light, in my opinion, is Zach Johnson winning this award. And I'm so happy that he took the time after playing his way into the FedEx Cup playoffs, the PGA Tour playoffs, with a tie for seventh at the Wyndham Championship. We're honored to have him on the podcast this week. It's a jungle in here, and we all know it. The fans are fired up and making sure they show it. They're rattling loud, not your usual crowd. It's a jungle in here. So you took the uh, <laughs> you took the plunge and drove home last night. Yeah, I mean it. It was wild. I, I've been gone for two weeks, and I'm leaving tomorrow, I think, for Boston. So I just needed to get home. Yeah, it, it's just easier this way. And see my kids for during school right now, but I'll see them this afternoon. So well, let's let's get started. I don't want to take too much of your time. The Payne Stewart, the Payne Stewart Award is given every year since uh, we lost Payne in that tragic airplane accident back in 1999. It started uh, was given out in the first year was 2000, and it was just recently awarded the 2020 Payne Stewart Award. Zach, uh, congratulations on being the recipient of this year's Payne Stewart Award. Oh, thank you, Jake. Uh, it's, it's a distinct honor, man. I mean. Everything about that award, I think, just it, it certainly represents what professional golf is all about. Certainly, the PGA Tour, but I think, it, frankly, it should represent what you know life's all about. So, I'm I'm honored to be this year's recipient and to be a part of that fraternity of guys that have uh, been able to honor pain. So, I'm, I'm still in shock, <laughs> but I'm also more so in awe. So, it's great. Well, you're working on a Hall of Fame career. You've got 12 wins on the PGA Tour, including two majors, the Masters back in 2007 and the Open Championship in 2015. So in a way, as you work toward the Hall of Fame, the official World Golf Hall of Fame that we all recognize, I've always believed that the Payne Stewart Award is kind of the Hall of Fame for what the game of golf represents. As you just said, it's not only what you do inside the ropes, it's what what you've done outside the ropes. I agree. You know, I, I got asked the question in doing some interviews 
pertaining to you know the award and how do you how do you view it how do you see it where does it rank all that kind of stuff and it's difficult kind of it's almost like abstract in the sense that i feel like i feel like it's taken everything i've ever done inside the ropes on the golf course my you know the two majors obviously and wins and cups and all that it's almost like you smush it all into one and then you take everything you've done off the golf course that uh, this great game of golf has given you as far as the platform and how you utilize it. And it just kind of like brings both of those together and, and lo and behold, it creates this award. It's almost like it, it takes those two on course, off course, molds them together and makes it whole. Uh, I don't know if that makes sense, but that's, it's almost like it completes everything. It makes, it puts everything into perspective and just makes it whole. No, that's, that's well put and I agree 100%. What I love the most was being on the nominating committee. I, I loved seeing your reaction when hmm. you got the Zoom call from Tracy Stewart, Payne's widow, and Payne's two kids, Chelsea and Aaron, and Commissioner Jay Monahan. I saw the video, yeah. and your reaction was was priceless. You broke down two or three times because of, of just, just gratitude and appreciation. But you were also so excited. You were jacked up like you just made a putt to win the Masters, and and oh that to me was, it was just pure emotion. It was great to see. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate it. I guess, you know, it's one of those things, you, emotion certainly showcases, I guess, your true heart in that, and and, and, it, and, and in this instance, for me, it did, and I say that for a number of reasons. Um, I've all, I mean, I, I, I'm assuming I'm one of, if not the only recipient that never got to meet Payne, um, but I felt like I knew him. You know, obviously, I've heard stories from you, and some of your other contemporaries and peers, that kind of thing. I, you know, so I, I felt like I knew him in that regard. But I've also gotten to know Tracy. I've gotten to know Chelsea a little bit. She works for the tour. I've read a lot of their books, uh, certainly Tracy's book. You know, and I, I always admired Payne. I admired him because he was real. He was a character. He had character. He, he, he was able to bring the best. The best of his game came out in the most difficult of circumstances. I love that, that attribute. But all that, that's... The emotion was there because it was one of those where I'm like, holy cow, think about all the people that got to where you got. And, and you know, that, that's what this award is about. It, it's really about understanding and have that perspective, you know, it's not about you. And uh, I, I just love that. I think that's the way Payne lived. I, I, I know in hearing stories, that's exactly what he would have wanted. You, uh, you and Payne would have been blood brothers he would have loved you and i know you're much younger than 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 we are and uh, losing pain in 99 was a blow not just to his friends and to the game of golf but i think to the sports world because when you have a player who is that charismatic with that much character and enthusiasm for life and what he does it's hard to replace a guy like that but zach you've always been that guy you love you love your fellow players. You love competing. You love the Ryder Cup. You love the President's Cup. And that's what Payne lived for. Payne lived to kick your butt. But yeah. also afterwards, whether he won or lost, to go out, pull out his, his harmonica, play with the band, and drink a beer. That was yeah. what, that was Payne. And that, to me, is, is you. Yeah, well, I, I appreciate it. Uh, I, I feel like I resemble that. <laughs> I think I think what you said right there is really just understanding life and priorities, right? I mean, yeah, Payne 
went out there, gave it his all. He was the competitor. I mean, his his vocation was to go out and compete, and you saw it. It was evident. It was evident in his focus. It was evident, like I said, in, in the most difficult of circumstances. He always rose to the top. You saw it in the cups. You saw it in the majors. Uh, he was the competitor. But at the end of the day, you could tell his priorities were certainly his faith, his family, his friends, and the fact that golf is there, but it's not going to define him. And and you know the guys that I like on the PGA Tour, that like the guys that I admire, the, the 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 guys that I would say, man, there's something about him. There's something about the way they, are the ones that give it their all. They're fierce competitors, no question about it. But hitting a ball, chasing and hitting again, does not define them. And I knowing what I know, hearing the stories I've heard, certainly conversing with you, that was pain. You know, he 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 was a hundred percent all the time inside the ropes. But outside all, of the ropes, he was 100%. All of the Payne Stewart Award recipients are recognized for their commitment to charity, uh, sportsmanship, and their character. And, and, and you and your wife have, have started a foundation. Uh, you were born in Iowa City, Iowa, went to Drake University, which is not, I might point out, not a hotbed for players heading to the PGA Tour like a Wake Forest or a or Texas might be. Right. But right. tell us a little bit about the foundation that you and Kim have been uh, so heavily involved with. Yeah, yeah, sure. You know, uh, you, you do you do it because you can. You don't do it because you're obligated to, or your it's your responsibility. You do it because you wanna you wanna give because you find joy in giving, and so that's why we started the foundation. Is we we felt like, hey, the community that gave me so much since I was a young boy to a, a young pro, that's where I want to go back. That I, I I feel like it's the right thing to do. And so uh, we started it just over 10 years ago, and we created our own program called Kids on Course as our main beneficiary, sole beneficiary to some degree. But this program is very comprehensive, very collaborative. It's hard for me to even spell it out in, in a short amount of time. But we're basically partnering with the school system. We're with kids, first bell to last bell, after school, summer programs. And if you stay with us, we'll help you academically. We'll help you Socially, we'll help you in athletics. Anything, any opportunity you want, we can help you to dream big, and we can get you into post high school education or whatever you desire. So, we just want to give kids the opportunity. Probably things that I certainly took for granted. I'm assuming you probably did, Peter. I mean, you know, my my childhood was pretty dang good: sports, school, and repeat. So, just want to give these kids that that opportunity that that I have in and out of the classroom. Well, like knowing what you have done is uh, is it's amazing, and congratulations so much on that. But also, you have congratulations in order for your best finish of the year last week uh, at the uh, which you played your way into the FedEx Cup uh, PJ Tour playoffs. By the way, congratulations, you, Shane Lowry, and uh, the eventual winner at Wind of Championship, Jim Herman, advanced into the playoffs. That that made that drive home on Sunday night a little bit easier, didn't it? It, it definitely did. It, it uh, you know, it, the goal of going up was always to win. But you know, if you can't win and you, you can sustain some decent play and, and and somehow you know the last week of the year more or less get in the FedEx Cup playoffs, I'm going to take advantage of it. I, I I don't like missing any cuts. I don't like missing playoffs. I missed it last year for the first time, and it it just ate at me. So one goal was accomplished last week, and I've got some other ones. I you know I've got listed you know for the remainder of the season but um yeah it made, it made the ride a little bit easier six and a half seven hours down the road it made the wendy's uh spicy chicken taste a little bit better so <laughs> uh, um you know 
all that being said, I mean, I feel like my game's been good. It just hasn't shown on the scorecard. It's that's golf. This is brutal, and sometimes you don't get feel like you're getting what you deserve when it comes to the work you put in. But it's also the beauty of the game, man. You get what you earn. You get what you deserve. Um, I love the game. Something kicked in the third round for you. You were seventy sixty seven to get to the weekend. Then you birdied, uh, or I should say, you made eagle, and then four straight birdies. You played the last five holes six under. Uh, and moved to that 61, and then you followed that up with a 65 on Sunday. That's that's incredible. That type of finish is – what what clicked for you? Well, no, I appreciate it. I mean, I, I didn't see necessarily a 61, but I, I've been seeing some things for the last few months in my game, specifically that just uh, practice rounds and then off weeks and that kind of – it just hasn't shown up in a tournament quite yet. I mean, I had a good first day in San Francisco at the PGA, but you got to follow it up. And fortunately this weekend, I mean, the 61 just, it was a matter of just being patient and waiting for my stretch. I mean, that's really what it was. And hopefully I can sustain it for the next day and then continue and continue it. And it bled into Sunday a little bit. I actually got off to a pretty good start. Actually, somebody tweeted me, I think it was this morning, <laughs> that uh, I think through 26 holes of the tournament, I was two over par for the, for the tournament. So, you know, in my last 40 some odd holes, I want to say I was like 19 under. So, you know. Well, that right there just shows that, you know what, it's a hard game. Even though you think you got it, you may not, but just wait for it. Just wait for your stretch. Wait for those, you know, wait for your shots to, to culminate into birdies. I mean, that's, that's really what it was, and I'm, I'm just going to keep trying to ride that wave. I've, I've said this so many times. It's a game that you can never own, but you can only rent for a while. And when oh. we play tournament to tournament to tournament, you hope to ride that wave you might find something in practice. You actually might find something on the on the range the morning of the third round, and you can ride that to a 61 or a 65 or whatever it may be, and, and then you win the next week. So congratulations on that. I want to talk a little bit about the bigger picture, the PGA Tour, the restart. What a great job that Commissioner Monaghan's done. Ron Green Jr. of Global Golf Post wrote a great article a couple of weeks ago about Jay and his leadership through the restart in the pandemic. Now, you're on the Player Advisory Council for this year. What what have you seen from Jay that has uh, been so positive in this restart? Oh, a lot. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad you brought it up. I mean, I don't want to say it's cliche, but it's just it's just true. You know, when, when difficult situations come about, when, when significant hurdles are right in front of you and you're, you're in a group of something like the PGA Tour or any, any sort of uh, business, True leadership will will start to show, and and man, it was from the it was from day one. There's not a script for this. This is, I hate the word because we keep saying it, it's unprecedented. So you really don't know what you're up against. It's something we've never seen. It's a novel virus, and the beauty of what Jay and his team has done is they've they've taken in all the data. They've gotten in, you know, gotten all the the so-called experts and their opinions. They've they've studied this. They've studied that. They've been overly conservative as far as uh, getting us back out in the proper manner from Colonial, which was our first week, to now. And along the way, fully knowing that there's going to be hiccups, we've got to kind of flatten the, the bumps, if you will, and and understanding that there's going to be more to come. But truly, those bumps have been minimal, and, and I applaud them because I feel safe out there. They've created a bubble more ways than one, and they actually feel like that bubble has been able to transfer from week to week. So as you know, Jake, you're certainly one of them, especially in the last 20, 30 years where there's a, there's a distinct 
entertainment value to what we do. And, and I've never, I mean, I knew that, but I've really fully understood that, I think, over the last three or four months. And, you know, we don't have fans, and it stinks. We want to back out there as soon as possible. But I cannot tell you how many individuals, those that I know and those that I don't, that have said, man, I'm so glad golf's back. At least it's some semblance of normalcy. And, and if, if we can allow that little respite for people, fans, this game of golf, that, that's great. That, that's what we're about. That's what we want to do. Understanding that we still want to do it in a safe, practical, and smart manner. And uh, so kudos to Jay. Kudos to our title sponsors, certainly to TV, our TV uh, sponsors, and, and getting us back out there in a pretty darn timely fashion. I mean, you know, with the exception of maybe like UFC, I think we were we were the first sports entity to get back out competing. So that, that's, that says a lot. Yeah, what, what makes me feel good as a former player is the fact that the players have all kind of gathered together. And they yeah. they understand the commitment. When you look at the NBA and Major League Baseball and all these other sports, there's there's always going to be infighting between players and owners and teams. But the players on the PGA Tour have realized we're in a very unique position to be the start, to really set the bar for the restart during this pandemic. Nobody likes sitting at home. Nobody likes looking at past reruns of Bewitched and Impractical Jokers. Everybody wants right. to see live sports again. And my right. only concern, I, while I'm so proud of the tour and incredibly proud of Jay and his staff at the tour, my only concern is during the pandemic, we've been playing full purse without mm. pro-ams and without fans, what mm-hmm. scares me. That tells you a lot about the commitment of our title sponsors. I just hope that down the road we're not shooting ourselves in the foot. Maybe we should be playing three-quarter purses. There isn't one right. player that wouldn't show up. I just right. I think right. we need to not only do things for the title sponsors, but also maybe for the charities and the communities we play. Right. No, you said it. I mean, it, yeah, I don't know the specifics behind all that. I mean, I, I know there's been some discussions, certainly at the board level, which I'm not on currently. But my guess is there'll be more. There, there needs to be more because – well, just just that dialogue has to happen. I mean, our, our you know obviously television is our number one sponsor, and then you have these title sponsors each and every week. That you know that one week on their calendar is essentially a highlight, if not the highlight. So yes, I mean we're playing because of them. So and I think most guys understand that. You know, at, at one point it was hard to really say, hey, we're going to play, even though you guys are probably furloughing, laying off people. How does that conversation go? So, yeah, you're right. You, you got to be sensitive. You got to be empathetic to the situation. All our child sponsors have their own uh, constituents and 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 whatnot, and so they, they've got that's their priority, and it, as it should be, golf shouldn't be their number one priority. So, if we can make them a priority and and understanding that one, whether it comes to negotiations or just being again empathetic and sympathetic to what they're going through. That's key. I mean, Wednesday prior COVID was the most important day of the week. It's the it's the pro am. It's a way for the title sponsors to showcase their event, to bring their clientele, their partners, et cetera, out there and and see what the PGA Tour giving back charity is all about. Every tour event revolves around stewardship and charity, and it still does. But yeah, you're right. I don't want to see that lose its place on the priority list, nor hurt those local communities that we uh, were able to help so much each and every week. Well, listen, Zach, I appreciate the time. Congratulations on playing your way into the playoffs. Good luck next week. You've got a little work to do to get uh, to get into the 
Tour Championship in Atlanta, but I know the way you're playing, you're going to do it. So congrats again on the Payne Stewart Award, and I look forward to catching up with you somewhere down the road. Yeah, thanks, Jake. I always love hearing your voice, buddy. Thanks for having me. People ask me all the time now, when I play in an outing or a tournament or just with friends, why do I play a yellow ball? Well, it's pretty simple, really, because I can see it. I can see the ball in flight all the way from the tee down to the landing spot, whether that's the fairway or, yeah, a fairway bunker. At my age now, I lose the white ball in flight. When Srixon first started making the Z-Star yellow ball, and they put it in my locker. It was to hand out to my amateur partners in the Pro-Am. And I was thinking, I'm not going to play this ball. I'm going to play the white ball. But when they put it in play, I could see their ball. And I immediately thought, what in the heck? I could see that ball. And believe me, when you lose sight of the ball in flight and you don't know where it lands, it kind of takes a little bit of the fun away. So what I did right then, I switched to the yellow ball. I started playing it in the Pro-Ams. And eventually, I started playing it in the tournament. Whenever you switch to a new ball, you're always worried about how that ball is going to fit in with what you do, how it affects your game. And I play it because it does everything I need it to do. I always think about proper spin, the proper trajectory, and the maneuverability of the shot. With the Strixon Z-Star yellow ball, I can curve it left to right, hit it high or low, and it has that perfect amount of spin that I need for my game. It's been about 10 years now since I put that ball in play, and I've never looked back. It's yellow for me for the rest of my career. I'm also excited to have my six-year-old granddaughter, Daphne Saylor, who lives up here in Westchester County, up in New York. We are here helping my daughter and son-in-law with their kids, picking them up at uh, daycare and after camp this summer. So I asked her a few questions and asked her if she would join the podcast. At first, she was reluctant to do so, but she eventually started talking, and as you know, When you get a six-year-old talking, you never know where that conversation's going to go. Hi, I'm Daphne, and my brother Albert just came back from outside, and how are you, Papa? I'm good. What do you think they're going to do downstairs, just play games? I think Albert does this a lot, but ride his bike. And not really bounce, but like the spike would go so fast, faster than um, my daddy riding a bike. Well, it's a little, little teeny scooter that you both sit on, and you guys go round and around in a circle. We're supposed to like drag on it, but we push with our legs to get more faster because it's mostly like a baby ride. It just goes like. Supposed to turn the steer, but it goes way faster when you just push with your legs and like just steer. It's so much fun. What do you think about 
food. What's your favorite food in the world right now? Well, I think right now it's cranberries. Um, I think and they, they don't let people eat that much food. So I'm thinking mac and cheese. Mac and cheese is good. Tell me about the coronavirus. I like home cheese. Um, it's called little pasta. We call it. It's actually normal pasta, and it's little. So, what do you think about this coronavirus? It's crazy. It's it's devastating, isn't it? I know, like all our plans. It's like we didn't plan for coronavirus. It's like oh, no fear. And coronavirus is like yes, yeah, so much fear. And it's like bad guys. Yeah, when you were younger, you called it Corona Pirates, didn't you? Yeah, Corona Pirate. Because I didn't know how to to say coronavirus. Because it's like a virus that you get sometimes, but it's actually coronavirus. Right. Not coronavirus. Yeah, but both your mommy and daddy are doctors, so they know a lot about it. Yeah, more than me. Um, so one time, my Colin went over and it was coronavirus calling my friend went over and on the we'd have talk and we'd draw the picture of the coronavirus on the driveway and oh and they're pretty good guesses what kind of doctors are your mom and dad do you know so mommy is a burning doctor her real name is Kristen, and her last name is sailor that daddy took it away because his last name is sailor um, what was your mommy's last name when she was little yeah okay peter jacobson no no what was her <laughs> last name Jacob. she was Kristen. jacob i'm jacobson <laughs> okay but but what kind of doctor is your daddy Doctor. No, 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 don't, don't, don't scream like that. Amy's gonna blow Amy's ear out. So, <laughs> what kind? Blow of, Amy's ear out. Yeah. So, what kind of doctor is your dad? A body doctor. A body doctor. I think they also call it a physiatrist, which is and pain mommy, management. And my mommy's a neurologist. Very good, a neurologist. Do you know how to spell that? Uh, not really. That's that's to be determined in your future, right? Yeah, I don't know how to read yet. But we had a big deal a couple of months ago. You started riding your bike without training wheels. That was a big day. Yeah, it was like I had no school because I had to come. And now Papa, you know, at this like park, he showed me how to ride a bike without training wheels. That was a big day in my life showing you that. But actually, all we did was take your training wheels off and boom, you figured it out in like three seconds. Yeah, it was at the dam. The dam where we like to go and walk and ride bikes around in a circle. Uh, A big reservoir. Big reservoir holds a lake and you could go on the other side and on the water side because you could drown. Well, and, and you're not allowed to swim in the reservoir across the dam. But there were pools, but those two tired to clean it, so they 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 just they just did a decoration. So, what's your favorite TV show right now? Well, I like a lot of TV shows, so I may not choose one yet, but I have to watch more episodes. Well, what about SpongeBob SquarePants? That seems to be popular. Well, I don't like it that much. 
Which one do you like? I know you watch a lot of Victorious. That's on the Nickelodeon channel. No, I don't watch Victorious. Oh, okay. I thought you did. Uh, well, uh, let's see. You like to watch... Uh, you used to watch Dora. Dora the Explorer. Yes, but I watch the real vision now. Oh, you do? Is that educational or... Well, it's on... I think it's on Disney World or Amazon. And it's real. It's, it's non-fiction. When we get in a car, you like to listen to what you guys call Papa's songs. It's basically Peter Jacobson. Like, he had songs that he wrote. And he plays it. And sing with my band called... Jake Trout and the Flounders and Jake Trout and the Ball Washers. And you like those songs, don't you? And I love to play. That's one of the songs I love to play. Because he loves to play golf, not play outside. Right. I like to play outside with you, but I like to play golf. I could sing it. It's like, I love to play. It's like, na, 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 na. I love it. Yes. It's like Pebble Beach. I love it. I love it. I really love it. I love to play. <laughs> you know, I think we need to put you in our band. What about my playing golf? I've played golf my whole life, and your daddy plays golf. He's a good player. Well, I'm mostly good at soccer instead of golf because I keep doing it like it's a hockey stick. I'm doing hockey instead of real golf so i'm not that much of a golfer but i have golfer stuff but i keep losing all i brought all i have and i didn't lost is my shirt because i keep putting in my claw my closet but what we do yesterday we went to putt putt you and me and your brother everett and nana and what did you make on one hole Oh, one score with one hit. Right, which and is called a hole-in-one. That's your first hole-in-one ever. Well, I did more hidden-ones. And um, when I was there, there was lots trickier than the golf course. There was like a loop-de-loop and, and like a tunnel and the little things that want to block it. Yeah, golf's, like, golf's tough. And there's like rocks that like to stop it. There's little holes so if your ball goes through it, you're like losing one point. And, and the last hole, remember, we putted into the hole, and the ball disappeared. That wasn't fair. Yeah, it wasn't fair. And um, a lot of balls that I've seen in the water, because there was water in putt putt, and and they didn't know why. Well. I play a lot of golf, and I hit lots of balls in the water, and it's just not fair. So should you should we change the rules of golf? Like what, no water? Mm, well, you have to get water because you need to be hydrated. Well, it's not really fair because if you, if you drop the ball in the water, it's kind of your fault and kind of like, because you can't get it. Amen to that. I'm a sports nut, 
And if you're anything like me, the first thing you do every morning is grab your phone and check to see what may have happened overnight in the world of sports. But Mondays are for golf. Once the weekend is over and the golf tournaments around the world are complete, whether they're on the professional tours or in the amateur world, I know I'll find what I need on Global Golf Post. It comes to my email every Monday morning, delivering everything I need to know as I dissect what happened over that weekend. It also offers insight and analysis from experienced writers and contributors who are as committed to the game as I am. And it's pretty easy to sign up. Just log on to globalgolfpost.com and you're done. And for even more great content, you can subscribe to Global Golf Post Plus, which takes a deeper dive into the world of golf, exploring the people, places, and things that makes this game we love so intoxicating. And with Global Golf Post Plus, there's no advertising. Use the promo code JAKESTAKES when you sign up to receive 30% off your monthly subscription to Global Golf Post Plus. So remember, globalgolfpost.com. It's everything you're going to need to know about this game of golf. It's a jungle in here, and we all know it. The fans are fired up. One of the really interesting aspects of watching these tournaments on TV with no fans in attendance, as we've seen on the tour and the Champions Tour after the restart, is that with no fans out there, you don't hear the fan noise that we're all used to. We're all, we don't hear the roars from the crowd when someone makes a birdie up ahead or behind. You don't hear the, the screams from the crowd, which I can do without, and I'm sure a lot of you can as well. The get in the hole and mashed potatoes and all the all the lunatic phrases people scream but because there are no fans on the golf course we pick up everything television picks up just about every comment that's made what's cool is when you hear a player and his caddy discussing the yardage the shot the strategy am i gonna hit a full seven iron am i gonna take a little off a six and when you listen to Bryson DeChambeau and Tim Tucker, it's it's like diving into some sort of a math class, which I think is fascinating. It's fascinating to me to see how everybody goes about it so differently. I know I just want yardage to the front, to the whole location, and to the back. And my caddy, Troy Martin, always says, this is where you want to miss it. You want to miss it long. You want to miss it short. You want to miss it on the right, because let's be honest, very rarely in golf do the best players hit the shot on the nose every time like they want to. But we're hearing quite a few F-bombs being dropped by the players and picked up by the mics, which is inevitable. When you've got those boom mics out in the fairway or on the tee or even on the green, and the announcers do a really good job of not talking over the putt or the shot. In fact, that's what we're taught to do. We're taught to set the shot up. Bryson DeChambeau from 165 yards with a 9-iron or an 8-iron. Then you shut up. You listen to the, the ball strike. And then you want to hear a comment or a reaction from the player after the ball's left. Sometimes it can be positive. Sometimes it can be a four-letter word that you're not supposed to say, but invariably comes out. The commissioner of the tour, I'm sure, 
I know Jay Monahan hates that, as every commissioner in golf does. And I know it, it's not a good thing to hear at home for the kids or anybody that's watching, but it's never offended me because I think it shows the passion that the player has and how hard he's trying. We all know Tiger Woods drops as many F-bombs as anybody probably in the history of the game. And we're hearing more and more of that because there are no fans. You don't hear the crowd noise. You don't hear the roars. So it's, it's kind of one of the interesting byproducts of fanless PGA Tour events. Well, that's all the time we have for this week's Jake's Takes podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Peter Jacobson. These have been my takes. What are yours?